I hope that you realize that you are not the only person uh, taking up communion this morning, this afternoon, this evening, that you're taking it up with a body of believers across this nation and perhaps even across this world. It is Palm Sunday, so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to put a, a, a hold on our talking about verses out of context. I hope you enjoyed that uh, four-part series that originally was a three-part series, but has, of course, become a four-parter because of last week. And I, as I was trying to think of what we're going to talk about on Palm Sunday, because I wanted to talk about Palm Sunday, it is Palm Sunday. It's one of the more important days in our uh, Christian calendar, if you want to call it that. Um, but I was like, man, I don't want to just teach the normal thing necessarily. Uh, I'm like that. I, you know, when I preach on Christmas, a lot of times I don't preach out of Luke. I preach out of Isaiah or somewhere else that uh, tells part of the story as well. And I said, you know, how about for this week, when we talk about Palm Sunday, yeah, we'll talk about the palm branches a little bit. We're going to talk about the donkey a little bit, but I'm a facts person. I like facts. I like information. And so I said, let's give the Christians out there that might be watching this, listening to this, if you're on the podcast, some information. So that's what we're going to do, and I hope that it helps to drive home Palm Sunday and what was so important about it. Yes, we know it's important because it's when Christ enters into Jerusalem uh, and, and such, but uh, I hope that this helps to drive that home a little bit. So we're in Matthew. We'll be in Matthew 21, uh, verses 1 through 11. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Um, and I read again out of the uh, New American Standard, uh, but whatever you have in front of you is fine. Uh, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. It reads, When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. I'm in verse 8 now. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Number one on your note sheet there, if you've uh, taken it, uh, the picture of it and such that we put out there on the Facebook page, uh, number one is the story, the story. So this is what happens, right? Jesus enters Jerusalem during the week of the Passover. Now, if you remember, if you read a little bit further back, this is right after he's bringing Lazarus back from the dead. And if you remember right before that, his disciples were saying, don't go back there, they're looking to kill you. And they were. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were looking to kill Jesus. And what he does with Lazarus, bringing him back from the dead after Lazarus has been in the tomb for three days, makes them want to kill Jesus all the more. 
Because they're saying this man, he can't be, he can't be trusted, he can't be, and this is important, he can't be controlled. We can't control him. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which are two distinct separate groups, are all about control and power. They held it over the Jews, and they didn't want to lose it. And here's Jesus, who's performing over the past three or so odd years all kinds of miracles. He's teaching. He's doing all kinds of great stuff. And they don't have control over him, and they're losing control over the masses. And this is the atmosphere that Jesus is walking into. But as he's walking into it here, the common folk, if you want to call them that, the people, are praising him. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. We're going to talk about that word here in a little bit, the word Hosanna. The people love him. Now, why do they love him? They view him as a savior, which he was. But they don't view him as the savior that he is. You see, they thought he was the type of savior who was going to save them from the tyranny and control of Rome. And eventually, one day down the road, Jesus will wipe out all tyranny. He will wipe out all oppression. But it was not this day, and it hasn't been. That was 2,000 years ago, and it hasn't been from then till now, and it won't be until he comes back at the end of the Battle of Armageddon and such. So you're looking at at least seven years or so from the moment you're in right now. And we can get into that at some other time if you'd like to. But Jesus is concerned with their souls, with their spiritual salvation, just as he's concerned with yours. And as they learn, as the crowds learn over the next few days that Jesus is not there to deliver them from Rome, they're going to turn on him. And so the landscape that Jesus finds himself in is going to change rapidly. We're talking about, you know, it reminds me a little bit of what we're in with the coronavirus right now, that it seems like every day something changes in some way, and what was pertinent information or facts or truth 24 hours ago is not true now. And that's what changes so quickly for Jesus, and it's important to understand because it helps us put into perspective. So that was number one, the story of where we find Jesus. Number two is the meaning, the meaning behind this story. And I've got five different things to look at here pertaining to this story. So number one underneath that is palm branches, right? Everybody, now, if you were here on Palm Sunday, if the doors were open, we'd have palm branches, and maybe when you were a kid, I didn't know how to do this, but I had friends that did, you know, that could tie the palm branches into a cross and stuff like that. I always wanted to learn how to do that, uh, but I never did, and I'm not going to now, most likely. Um, But, you know, you got the palm branches, and maybe if you were boys, right, those palm branches, if you got a good long one, you could whip them across somebody's back, and they hurt. Palm Sunday was a great time for boys as kids, We didn't care what the palms meant, though. But let me tell you about what the palms actually mean, because they mean so much more than a little decorative cross that is dead in about three days, or a welt across your back that is gone in a little under three days. You see, palm branches were and are a symbol of goodness and of victory. And they were laying palm branches down in front of Jesus and or waving them. These palm branches represent far more than just a branch on a tree. They were saying how good Jesus was, and they are a symbol ultimately of his victory over death and over the grave and over sin. Now, these people didn't know that. They think it's a symbol of the victory over Rome that's coming, but it was a victory over so much more. 
Perhaps every time you get a palm branch from here on out, because Lord willing, right, next year on Palm Sunday, we'll be in a church surrounded by people, and you've got those palm branches. Think about how they, 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 they uh, symbolize and mean this victory that Jesus had and has over the grave, over death, and over your sin and my sin so that we can go to heaven. So that's what the palm branches mean. Number two, riding on a donkey. Now, a lot of us know this, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, that prophecy that is read there in verse 5 is from Zechariah 9.9. And it fulfills this prophecy that Zechariah lays out. Of course, of course it's God through Zechariah saying, listen, the, the Savior is going to enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And he does. Now, here's the thing, though. A donkey was uh, a symbol as well. It was not just, well, don't get a horse, get a donkey, because Jesus was short. How do I know Jesus was short? Because back then, people were not as tall as we are today. Jesus would be short by our standards. So, there you go. But no, the donkey, if you came in riding on a donkey, it was a symbol of peace. Oftentimes, kings and rulers that were coming in peace into a different city than their own, would ride in on a donkey. And so Jesus is symbolizing here, he comes in peace. He comes to bring peace to the people. He's bringing this salvation. He's not there to make war. And people kind of missed that too. But he was not there to make war. He was there to bring ultimate peace. And I think that's so incredible that God, of course, God's the one who creates everything and he knows everything. He says, first off, palm branches to symbolize his victory, but also riding on a donkey to symbolize the peace that he brings. Number three, and we're gonna, here's where we're going to talk about the word Hosanna. Hosanna means Savior. They're proclaiming him to be the Savior. It's a word of praise used for that. They're proclaiming him their savior. But again, right, as with the previous two, they miss the point. Jesus is and was their savior, just as he is my savior. But he was not there, as we've said already, and we're going to probably keep saying, to save them from Rome and from that tyranny. They were there, he was there to save them from the tyranny of sin and death. He was there to save them spiritually. So here they are as he's entering in. He's entering in on a donkey symbolizing peace. They're throwing palm branches down symbolizing his victory. And they're praising him with Hosanna saying our Savior is here in victory and in peace. And they're still missing the moment. They're still missing the point. So much so that number four here, and we don't read this in Matthew. We read it in Luke 19, 41 through 42. That Christ as he's entering the city weeps for the city and for his people. He says, oh, if only they knew what this was going to cost. If only they knew what this victory was going to cost and what they were about to do. Of course, they don't know. They've missed the point. But as Jesus is entering the city, we still see his heart because he's weeping because he knows, but he's still willing to do it anyway. He's still willing to go. And then finally, number five here. It's ultimately a precursor to Christ's reign as king. One day, Jesus will again enter Jerusalem as king, as ruler, having delivered the earth from tyranny, from pain, from hardship. He will ride again in peace, in victory, 
as the Savior. I hope that, that through this you can see that Palm Sunday means so much more than just, oh, he's entering Jerusalem. I hope you can see that it's so much deeper than that, that each piece of the puzzle fits in just a little bit differently and shows us that God had a plan from the very beginning. He has a plan. And Jesus rides in. and People are shouting hosannas, praises to the Savior, waving palm branches in victory as he rides in on a donkey because he's the peaceful king peaceful Savior, and he comes in peace. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week uh, as it is Easter, and we're going to talk about, you know, our risen King, our risen Savior. But I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you like the people on the side who are waving the palm branches and laying their coats down and praising Hosanna, but have completely missed the point? Jesus hasn't come to save you necessarily right now from the tyranny of this world. He's come for something so much more important. He's come for your soul. He's come to heal your brokenness. He rode in on a donkey in peace. He's coming back, we read in Revelation, he's coming back on a white horse. He is power, but he has power to save you. And I can't encourage you enough to accept that. Accept who he is and let him save you. And if he already has saved you, praise God. I hope you're one of the loudest ones shouting Hosanna to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as he comes in riding in victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Because he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me. In that moment as he cried for Jerusalem, he loved me. He plunged me to victory beneath that flood. And I hope you can stay the same. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you for this morning, this afternoon, this evening. We praise you that we can proclaim in victory you. As you ride in, Christ, you are my Savior, my King. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And I can say that with a smile on my face. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts, whether we know you as our Savior or not, that you would work in our hearts to conform us more like your Son, whether that means that we've got to take that first step of accepting you or we're a few steps down the line. We love you, we praise you. It's in the name of your Son that we pray, amen and amen.